Jesus Smart, the podcast, has been such an encouragement to me on my commutes to and from work. Uh, It's been a big encouragement to me. I can't thank you enough. I would recommend Jesus Smart to anybody. YouTube and Twitter is on fire right now about this stuff. They're always on fire, you know? (laughs) We may be playing catch up. What the Spirit's doing and, and discern the leading of the Spirit because... Spirit might be doing something that's uncomfortable for me. You don't know where it comes from and where it's going, Jesus said. Yeah. But you hear the sound of it. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Welcome, friend, to the podcast. What are the precedents and patterns that we see in past moves of God, renewal movements by the Holy Spirit? Sometimes in many things, it's kind of like this. When in doubt, zoom out. And so when we zoom out and look at past movements of God, renewal movements, how might they map onto movements in our time? We continue our conversation today in this episode with Michael Hoff, PhD candidate in renewal theology with an emphasis on the history of renewal movements. Check him out on YouTube at Digital Theologian. He's been to the recent Asbury Awakening, and in this episode, we discuss renewal movements beginning in the 1800s on both sides of the pond, America and England, but even Europe and even India and Asia. Michael sketches renewal movements in America throughout the 20th century into our time. Now, here's perhaps the most important question. What about you? What about me? How might we be refreshed and renewed by the regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit in our day. Is there any doubt that people need to be renewed? These past three years have been exhausting, to say the least. They've been distracting and in many cases devastating on a host of edges in people's lives. We need the infilling and renewal of the Holy Spirit, in my opinion. Welcome to this episode. It's episode 269 of Jesus Smart, the podcast, friend. You can see the show notes page for links and resources. Learn more about Michael and what he does. Links to his um, presence on the web at jesusmart.com slash 269-269. Or you can also use jesusmart.com slash asbury. I do believe that Jesus Christ is our Savior, and He's a King. He knows how our lives work best, and He's passionate about developing His followers as intimate friends and co-agents in His kingdom. Thank you for the kind words on uh, the rating and review section of Apple Podcasts. This one is uh, titled, Love This Show, Five Star Review, Articulate, Resourced, and Engaging, Jesus-Centered All the Way Around. Jesus intelligence got me really thinking at a deeper level. Thank you for those words, those sentiments. And can I encourage you to subscribe and review the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts? Apple Podcasts is not the only channel. There's many, including iHeartRadio now, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, you know, Google Podcasts, many different ways to connect and stay current with the podcast. Here's a quote by G. Campbell Morgan. We cannot organize revival but we can set our sails to catch the wind from heaven when God chooses to blow upon his people once again. And if I might have the <laughs> the uh, temerity to add to G. Campbell Morgan's thought, many times God chooses to blow upon his people once again with his breath in response to our hunger and prayer 
and repentance. It's always been a divine partnership between heaven and earth, going back to the Garden of Eden, moving forward into our time. And it will always be that way, even in the new heavens and new earth to come. We are connected with such a great, magnificent storyline. There is no greater storyline than the kingdom of God. Okay, here we go with Michael Hoff. I appreciate you, Michael, and your work and the value that you bring. And we look forward to uh, much more things to come from you uh, in your uh, on YouTube as well as in publishing, probably. And who knows what's going to happen? Okay, here we go. Second part of the conversation. Jonathan Edwards talked about it as it being a surprising outpouring, a surprising uh, experience. It wasn't something that they were anticipating. wasn't something they they were looking for necessarily. And um, and I think that that's similar to what's kind of going on now on college campuses. Uh, you know, this is an unlooked for, unanticipated, uh, certainly prayed for. Uh, and I, I, would, I would say that, you know, with what was going on with the First Great Awakening and what was going on in England, those were things that people were praying for. Sure. But, but they were, uh, the extent to which people were impacted was, uh, was unanticipated by those who were responding and by the intensity of the response. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think like we just had this movie come out, The uh, Jesus Revolution, about the uh, the Jesus uh, People Movement. Is that what it was called? Uh, 1969, yeah. early 70s. And we saw an, an early viewing of it. I was stirred. I laughed and cried at that movie. And I felt it touched something deep, deep within. Uh, just did very well this past weekend. And the I think 2,000 screens in America, and it'll continue, of course. I have heard that, you know, the sexual revolution in the 60s, and there were many, there were maybe millions of mothers praying, you know, for their mm-hmm. kids, and that that being a key, like, background dynamic to these hippies and, you know, these uh, yeah. former drug addicts and just, just coming to the Lord and in mass. So we have that as well, don't we? Um, before we get to that, though, uh, talk about, if you would, briefly about the early 20th century re- revivals, Welsh, yeah. Azusa Street. Yeah. So after after the Methodist movement, you have you know this Wesleyan holiness uh, strain of theology where uh, you know people are are continuing to they're they're seeking a, a second work of grace a lot of times. Um, or Wesley, he talked a lot about um, he talked about entire sanctification. Another way of talking about that was was perfect love. That he uh, he believed that it was it was possible for Christians in this life, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to to love perfectly, to uh, to be entirely sanctified. Um, you know, another term is Christian perfection. Mm-hmm. Uh, never saying that you would be entirely sinless, uh, or that you would lose the the inclination towards sin. But that uh, there would be no sins of volition that you would intend you wouldn't intentionally sin anymore. That you may accidentally sin, but you would not intentionally sin. Um, he 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 drew some some lines around it, and he talked about it uh, over the course of his life. And it's one of the most controversial views that uh, Wesley held. Um, but one of his his followers, Jonathan Jonathan Fletcher, linked it to spirit baptism. Uh, and so you see in some of the Wesleyan circles this almost an anticipation of being baptized by the Holy Spirit that would lead to Christians being so filled, so refreshed, mm. so re- that they would be able to walk in a, a perfect, uh, a blameless life in this earth. And Wesley never claimed that for himself. Should be, I should always, uh, it's always good to throw that in there. Um, but this 
thread kind of continues. Uh, and it is within that crew, that, uh, that theological stream where sure. you see, uh, you know, Wesleyan, the, the Wesleyan holiness group starts to uh, eventually become what uh, is the foundation of a lot of Pentecostalism. Mm -hmm. And so as you get to, you know, the Welsh revival, you have, uh, you know, folks like uh, Charles Parham being influenced by that. Um, you know, he's coming to the United States. He uh, starts a school uh, in Topeka, Kansas, uh, in in 1901, uh, January 1st, 1901. There's uh, Sister Agnes, and I, I always forget her her last name, unfortunately. But she's baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaks in tongues. Uh, at a prayer meeting on January 1st, so rolling into 1901, yeah. um, you know, Topeka. Uh, this, yeah, and this is where eventually William Seymour gets connected with Charles Parham. William Seymour uh, is a one-eyed African-American man who uh, was, again, connected with Methodist movement. Charles Parham was connected with the Methodist movement uh, and then goes on to found the Azusa Street Mission. You know, William Seymour is one of the most influential church leaders in the last, you know, in the last century plus. Mm -hmm. As a result, goes on with Azusa with outpourings of the Holy Spirit. Los Angeles. Pe yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. In LA, um, you know, starts on, on Bonnie Bray Street. Um, you know, they, I mean, all kinds of, of crazy testimonies of like the fire department showing up because people were reporting seeing fire over the building. The building's not on fire, it's just the fire of the spirit. You know, that kind of testimony, like literally the fire department is showing up. Um, so people were being baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. Uh, that becomes a major influence or a major focal point for that movement. Um, but another influence is missions and sending people out and, uh, you know, within a handful of years, there are people that have gone all over the world from from LA. Many times, people who were poor uh, but felt called, and as a result of that, they they sold everything they owned to go somewhere uh, to another country. Um, you know, no formal training, just feeling led by the Holy Spirit, and uh, and that spread worldwide. Um, uh, but one of the things I love, right, because a lot of people, there's a, some historical debate that goes on. You know, this was a, a pivotal movement, and some people will trace all of Pentecostal and charismatic Christian uh, Christian doctrine or all of uh, Pentecostal and charismatic Christian practice back to Azusa Street. But uh, I, I love the Lord in that he's doing these things in India completely separate from what's going on at Azusa. Wow. No at the same time frame, even a few months earlier, uh, there's a, a revival. It's the, referred to as the Mukti revival in India. Uh, Pandita Maramabai, uh, she yeah. uh, is leading this movement in India, and uh, they're they're seeing the same kinds of outpourings. They're seeing the same type of uh, influence in the culture as people are being one for the gospel. Uh, it's, it's pretty incredible. So yeah, look, look into the Mukti revival, um, M U K T I. Uh, and, uh, it's just, it's fascinating knowing that there were healings, uh, signs and wonders, people speaking in tongues. Uh, even, even in the 1860s, there was a movement in India that kind of predates all of this. Really? And then, wow. uh, and then the Mukti revival was, was contemporaneous okay. with, 
street. Yeah. And, uh, and so the, the Lord is just, he was just doing some amazing things during that time frame, And, uh, you know, that spread continually, you know, the, the Pentecostal and charismatic movement, uh, that people know today, uh, really, really starts then and, uh, had a massive influence throughout Latin America. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's impacting India and and going in uh, to Asia some during that time frame, um, and uh, you know, gets spread to to uh, Europe through um, an Englishman who moved uh, to Scandinavia named Thomas Ball Barrett. Um, this is the kind of story I love, and and please feel free to cut me off at any point in time if oh, I get too long. Go right but uh, Thomas Ball Barrett is is ministering in uh, Oslo. And he hears, you know, about what's going on at Azusa, and he wants to make it to Azusa to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in, and to uh, just to experience what's going on. Well, he makes it to New York, but then falls ill and isn't able to make it the rest of the way to LA. And by God's grace, there's somebody who had been at Azusa that he meets in New York. Uh, she prays for him. He experiences uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, and goes back goes back home and starts to minister in his church. And uh, he becomes the best known uh, Pentecostal throughout Europe. And his ministry is credited uh, with with sparking Pentecostalism across the European continent. And so, you know, all of this is going on, you know, in the early 1900s. So fast forward a few years, right? You get into uh, the healing evangelists in the 1950s, this uh, number of uh, well-known individuals. But I think where you start to see another major tipping point within America specifically is with the charismatic renewal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, primarily the Jesus movement and and the charismatic renewal. I think there's a, there's a lot of overlap, right? It's just... Um, sure. You know, time of American upheaval, you know, between the late sixties into the seventies, yeah. uh, you know, and I, I think probably, you know, compared, you, you have to go into the last few years, you know, until we've seen similar turmoil in our, in our country. I think so. And we had a long, a long run from that point until the last few. And, um, you know, it was, it was during that time frame uh, that you, you saw the hippies, you know, with the Jesus revolution, yeah. which I love. I love, uh, you know, all of those stories that you hear, you know, hearing stories from Greg Laurie and, and, uh, about Lonnie Frisbee and, yeah. you know, there, there are questions, there are challenges, there are issues, right? Nobody's perfect. No movement is perfect. All of these movements were controversial at their time. Uh, you know, certainly the, the charismatic renewal as, uh, as, you know, Lutherans and Presbyterians and Methodists are being baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Yeah. That becomes controversial Roman in their Catholic, context. Roman Catholics. Yes. And I mean, uh, what was going on uh, with the faculty at Duquesne? Uh, you know, they had a, a retreat that uh, some of the faculty, a couple of faculty members led a student retreat and, you know, people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, people got healed. Uh, and then they come back to the campus and starts a renewal movement on campus, uh, you know, in the 70s. I, I love hearing those individual kinds of stories of just what the Lord did in, in so many places. And, you know, uh, and as you mentioned, the Catholics, you know, the largest charismatic church in the world is the Roman Catholic Church. 
there are more charismatic Roman Catholics. Even so, today. Is that, are, true? Is that true today? Yeah, today. That there are more charismatic Roman Catholics than any independent Pentecostal or charismatic group. That is incredible. So you think yeah. of like the Assemblies of God or the Church of God yeah. or uh, my background is the Assemblies of God, and it's known as one of the largest uh, international yeah. Pentecostal bodies yeah. as well, Absolutely. as well as one of the few growing denominations in America. Um, yeah. But the Roman Catholic Church exceeds that. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. And so, you know, you get a great trajectory from there on. And uh, and I think you get maybe a little bit more controversial. And this is a, such an, a fascinating phenomenon. I think that as we get closer to our own time, as we talk about renewal and revival movements, they become increasingly controversial. Now, why is you get that? A little, get a little bit of historical distance and and we can, we can love it a little bit more. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. But, but uh, we, you know, it's... Uh, that distance creates a, a little bit of a blurring of some of the, the theological tensions. Maybe we, okay. we want to celebrate the fact that thousands of people uh, came to Christ, that culture was shifted, that, uh, I mean, so many ministers that I've worked with, worked under, been around, were saved during the Jesus movement. You know, they they had a powerful encounter with the Lord. Absolutely, called yeah. During the Jesus movement, um, you know, that's uh, at one point in time, Everybody that I was, you know, serving under, and had been kind of connected with regionally, they got saved during the Jesus movement. Sure, and uh, as, you know, so those those kinds of things, you, you start to recognize and appreciate the value of what's happened. Absolutely, uh, there's long term fruit without having to deal with the stinky feet uh, and the unshowered hippies that are stinking <laughs> up your not clean church buildings. You know. <laughs> I so um, I, I so appreciate Chuck Smith. You know, of Calvary Chapel was clearly instrumental, wasn't he, in helping them to to um to 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 be embraced, wasn't he? Yeah. And, and as is depicted in the film, the uh, the board of the church or leaders in the church, oh, you're going to ruin our shag carpeting, and you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, come on. And so he just said, like, this door is open, and it goes both ways. And some people left, but boy, they poured in. Hey, can we pull away for just a moment and then we'll get right back to the balance of this conversation. Are you getting the Kingdom Brew newsletter yet? And if not, may I ask, why not? It's the only newsletter that um, never gains weight and stays in summer shape all year long. Okay, that's absurd. That's absurd. But I'd really like for you to consider subscribing and being notified when new episodes go live. Plus, we have content in that newsletter that helps us to, uh, we're all seeking to quest and to level up with our Christ following. You can sign up for the e-letter to keep you updated about new things and resourcing from Jesus Smart. What's it all about? It's all about you and me and our world going above and beyond as an apprentice of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. You can check it out at jesussmart.com slash newsletter, jesussmart.com slash newsletter. And there's a there's a direct line from the Jesus movement to the Vineyard, uh, from the Vineyard, you know, John Wimber and yeah. his teaching, and Calvary uh, Chapel too, right? Yes, Calvary yeah. Chapel is a nation. Yeah, uh, and and you know that Vineyard was planted churches all over the globe. Sure, uh, and uh, direct connection into the Toronto Blessing, yeah. uh, Toronto Air Fellowship. There uh, was was a Vineyard church. Uh, until 
you know, over some some differences in practice, yeah. more so even the theology, they were asked uh, to leave the denomination. Um, you know, but out of out of the Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship, out of the the Toronto blessing, you have uh, Holy Trinity Brompton in London uh, being deeply impacted. Alpha Course comes out of that, which has led millions of people to Christ. An Anglican uh, Church, the, yes, an Anglican Church. That's right, an Holy, Anglican Holy Trinity. Yeah, yes. Uh, thank you. Yeah, for for helping me. You know, just. Remember to give people well, context. It's been a matter of some conversation recently. We've been talking about the Anglicans, and there's something that happened yeah. there recently, and it seems like they could be, I don't know, positioning themselves for something like the Methodists have recently gone through mm. with the mm. uh, Global Methodist Church now and the United Methodists. One of the things that really stands out as you're as you're surveying this, Michael, is it's hard not to see the decentralization and the distribution of power, like distributed power, like whether you're talking about India, you know. In the 1800s or early early 1900s, as well as L.A., or if you're talking about like more recently the Jesus movement, the charismatic movement, crossing denominational lines, such a decentralization and uh, distribution of power. Well, and often people that broader culture says shouldn't have power are given power in these moments. That it's pretty common to see the role of women and their their participation in ministry and leadership increase significantly okay during renewal uh certainly was the case at azusa um it was a case with john wesley in the methodist movement okay uh, you know you can you can point to uh, the begins uh which was in the the 12th and 13th century were holy women that were setting themselves apart uh for for preaching and uh you know, drawing away, there's the whole anchorite movement where you have, uh, you know, women that were, were closeting themselves away from the world, but then being sought after because of these visionary experiences they were having with Jesus. Um, uh, there, there are just a number of examples. So you're saying in renewal movements, it's not uncommon to see women come to, yeah. come to, more of a place of uh, of participation, mm -hmm. yeah, in, in yeah, ministry I don't, I don't, and and so forth. Historically, as you look at the record of what has occurred during renewal movements, I don't feel as though that's a, a controversial statement. Um, you know that there would there would certainly be movements that would be an exception to that, uh, but I feel as though uh, as I've surveyed the broad sweep of renewal movements, that it is a a consistent hallmark that uh, women, the poor, social outcasts uh, get empowered. And, uh, and it, that is at times quite scandalous to the broader culture. And, and certainly and, within, and a good swath of the church culture. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> it's coming, one of the criticisms of Asbury is that they are, they, you know, it's called egalitarianism that, you know, that, that, that you know, women are able to to come into these sorts of roles and participation, right? Versus the complementarianism, you know, of like maybe staunch reformed teaching. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so they're 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 concerned about that, I can tell you. And they're also concerned about what what their cessationism. I mean their 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 strong views on cessationism. Yeah. I think that if that's where folks are coming from, they're not going to be in favor of what's going on at Asbury. But I also, you know, I know John MacArthur is, you know, as a, as a reformed individual is not a big fan of 
really probably any of the movements that I've mentioned past the Reformation. Probably not. And, and would raise significant questions about some of the ones that I mentioned pre-Reformation. And, uh, and so, you know, not everybody's agreed on exactly what revival is, what is a good revival versus something where people, it's, uh, it's hysteria or religious, uh, you know, enthusiasm. That's the, that was the word during Wesley's time. Uh, you know, fanatic would be a better word for, for our time, you know, that, uh, man, these are just radical they're fanatics. They're they're out there. This you same, know same issues really. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, the critiques aren't that different. You know, I can I can read the critiques that are brought against Wesley and the early Methodists, and those are a lot of the same kind of critiques that are brought against things like Asbury and um, you know emotionalism, the use of music. You know, uh, you know, women are are given the microphone they're they're allowed to speak and pray and lead um you know those those were all things that that were common in a number of different renewal movements and uh you know those those present challenges uh to when you're coming from a certain theological position to say the least youtube and twitter is on fire right now about this stuff they're always on fire you know (laughs) Uh, they're always down (laughs) i think that uh one of the things that you know, I, I find, um, you know, just as I, as I look back, uh, you know, there are always going to be people that are upset and I, I'm reminded of the book of Acts frequently, uh, when I think about, you know, certainly as you're trying to pattern any, you know, really look for genuine renewal or genuine, genuine revival acts two through four is always kind of my, okay. my, let's look at the early, early church in the early chapters of Acts and that's not to say to discredit any of the rest of the book of Acts, you know, like I, all of it. Yes. You know, but as you see those early days in Jerusalem. Let's look at the uh, seminal primitive church right there. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then you get to, to chapter 10 and everybody's caught off guard because the Holy Spirit does something that is inappropriate. It's controversial. Wow. Yeah. And you have Gentiles being baptized in the Holy Spirit. They didn't see that the, coming, did they? They didn't see it coming at all. And so you come to Acts 15 and there's the council in Jerusalem where, you know, you have a group that's like, well, they must all get circumcised and they must follow all of the religious rules that we have as Jews uh, in order to actually be followers of Jesus. And then you, you have the church, you know, you've got Peter and Paul and that group. And they're like, well, the Lord's already baptized them with the Holy Spirit. Look what the Lord's doing in them. Look at how the Holy Spirit's been poured out on them. Uh, maybe they don't need to follow all of these regulations because we can clearly say these regulations have not saved us, but the work of Jesus has. And uh, and so you get you know the the list of things that at the end of Acts fifteen that they're supposed to do. You know, let's abstain from you know sexual immorality. It's pretty short. <laughs> don't. Yeah, don't don't eat stuff that's sacrificed to an idol, and let the blood run out of your meat. You know, like it's <laughs> there. Are, you know, so that was the list. It was it was it was three points in that context. Yeah, like three or four things. You know, and it's uh, don't get hung up on a, on a lot of the rest of that. And um, you know, I find that with renewal movements uh, and however we end up classifying Asbury and what's going on there and what comes of that in the days ahead. You know, I I think that it is it's really important for us to recognize that we will 
in in times where the spirit is actively moving among our culture, we may be playing catch up. We may be trying to follow, find find out where the spirit is, what the spirit's doing, and and discern the leading of the spirit because spirit might be doing something that's uncomfortable for me. You don't know where it comes from and where it's going, Jesus said, but you hear the yeah. sound of it. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Yeah. You know, I loved hearing a, a YouTuber be just genuinely honest. He was like, I was there at the Asbury Revival, sitting a couple rows of, in front of me was, you know, uh, this young lady with pink hair and a denim jacket with a whole bunch of patches that I didn't agree with. And was, he said, I was like, oh, she's just so woke. There's just like so much wokeness. And then she started repenting and praising Jesus. And he said, oh my goodness, I feel like a Pharisee. Wow. I haven't read what the Lord's doing. And, uh, you know, it's the hippie movement all over again. You know, that that particular YouTuber was like, it's it's the it's Jesus the, movement. It's the, the hippie, hippie. hippies of our day, if you will, you, you could say, I suppose. And so, you know, I think for us to to just evaluate where we're at, ask questions about what's going on. It's good to ask questions. It's good to, it's good to evaluate, but let's, let's be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And as we gain greater historical perspective, I think that we find that the Spirit, the spirit acts more broadly than we think, that God is bigger than we often imagine, oh, and that he's meet with, love, and empower people that we often wouldn't close here in a second, Michael. I so appreciate you carving out time today. I love this survey. I love your, your, the expertise and the, and the, um, you know, the purview, the survey that you're bringing, it helps to understand and contextualize, I think. And, you know, you know, in first Thessalonians five, it says that we are to test all things and hold to what is good, but let's not forget that it also says there, do not quench the spirit. And when I, and when I hear this verse brought up, I don't hear that other verse brought up in that, in that passage, you know? nor the verse, do not despise prophecy. It's like embrace, but discern. Do not despise, but discern. The thing that always gives me pause as I talk about the work of the Holy Spirit is that when Jesus confronts the Pharisees, right? There's the the time when the Pharisees are accusing Jesus of casting out demons by Beelzebul, right? By the prince of demons. They're like, mm-hmm. look, yes, He's doing powerful work, but he's casting out demons by the prince of demons. I know. And Jesus in that moment says everything can be forgiven except blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, attributing the of the Spirit to the enemy. And as we have conversations about revivals and renewal movements, I I don't want to be there. I don't want to go there. You know, I mean, Jesus is so deferring to the Holy Spirit. He's so honoring of him. He's saying, you can speak against me, but not him. Yeah. That's that's amazing statement, really. But they have an angle on that. You can torture scripture to make it say anything you want it to say, you know. Um, but if you just do a plain reading of it and just accept it, you know, just a reasonable plain reading of it, that's some ground you don't want to tread on, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Um, if you don't understand it, just, I mean, it's, you know, don't get too worked up about what you may not understand or have not yet experienced. Might be something good to hear. So appreciate you, Michael. Appreciate you carving out time. Boy, is all of your research, your dissertation going to end up in a book for popular reading? I hope. 
<laughs> well, that's that's a few steps down the line. I need yeah. to. Uh, oh, my goal for today write 500 words. So if I can do that, I'll be happy. And, uh, you know, hopefully I get this dissertation finished. And, uh, you know, in the meantime, uh, you know, for anybody that's interested, they can find me at, uh, over on YouTube at digital theologian. Yes, and uh, glad you mentioned yeah. that highly recommend digital theologian. And I saw yeah. that your, your video about Asbury has gotten quite, quite a bit of traction, quite a bit of views. Yeah, you know, uh, certainly I, I've got a small YouTube channel. It's small. I, you know, I've been doing it off and on for a couple of years and uh, I have about 500 subscribers. And uh, so I don't expect big audiences as I'm putting out content, but that one, uh, over 7,000 people have watched. And uh, yeah, yeah, that one got some grip. On. Yep. Because it's, it's the conversation right now. You, you know, it's, it's, it's what people are talking about and searching for. You're there with excellent perspective. Well, Michael, can we agree together in prayer? Would you mind praying uh, for us and maybe uh, with application for personal renewal, you know, in our own lives? You know, before before I pray, I will just say that, that the heart of this is repentance and obedience. Uh, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. recognizing the things that separate us from God, and then just inviting the Holy Spirit to to remove those roadblocks and then intentionally partnering with God in obedience to that. Like, let's follow Jesus. And we, uh, you know, we're also f- so aware of our brokenness and our need for a Savior. And uh, and I, I feel like there's a grace right now I with what too. the Lord's for us to be able to lean into that. I so, feel like what, what's happening in, a, in, in, in maybe like a macro sense, we need to map to that personally. You know, yeah. I think that's what you're saying, right? There's a grace yeah. for it right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for everyone that's listening to this right now. If they've made it this far, God, I ask for your blessings to rest on them. Lord, but the blessing we need the most is nearness to you. So God, right now, I, I just, if there's anything that, that's on the, the heart of anyone that's listening to this, and they say, man, this is separating me from God. I just invite them to lay it down. Just lay it down right now. And repent is a, is a verb in Hebrew and Greek that just means to turn. And so I just invite you right now to turn away from the things that you know are separating you from God. Lay them at the altar. Give them to Jesus. Lay them at the altar of your heart right now. You know, Jesus, this thing is separating me from you. I give it to you mm-hmm. and I turn my back on it. Mm-hmm. I turn my back on what is separating me from you and I choose to follow you. Holy Spirit, I ask for your grace to empower me to walk in a fresh way, to live a new life by the power of the Holy Spirit, a life marked by holiness and righteousness. Yeah. Lord, I ask that you meet everyone that's listening, that you bring them freedom. Lord, I thank you that it is your desire that we would be conformed to the image of Jesus and that through the leading of the Holy Spirit, we can be a light to the world. So, Father, I ask for your grace to do that. Holy Spirit, that you empower everyone that is hearing this to follow you, to follow your voice, and to be a light in the world. Mm -hmm. Yes. Amen. Amen. We agree together. Thank you, Lord. Do it, Father, we ask. Thank you, God. Thank you, Michael, so much for your time and your um, value you you brought here, okay? Appreciate you. It's good talking. Thank you for having me on, bro. All right. 
Again, thank you, Michael Ha, for carving out a little bit of time to talk with us about these important themes. Digital Theologian on YouTube. Also, uh, do a search. For, I, th- I think it's digitaltheologian.com for his website and stay connected with him, his social. Stay connected with what he's doing, what he's saying. He's a great source. I know a bit about this couple, Integrity, The Real Deal. Okay, would you share these past two episodes, episodes uh, 268 and 269, with someone you think that would value this content? I encourage you to go to the show notes page. Again, jesusmart.com slash 269 or jesusmart.com slash Asbury. Links and resources, quotes on revival, scripture quotes, things to take it further. And uh, my personal encouragement is to map your personal life and your personal world to the prevailing winds of the Holy Spirit in this moment. That's right. I believe this is a Kairos season. A Kairos season in God's economy is a opportune time. It's a seasonal time that you have to redeem. You have to purchase it as it were. You have to take advantage of it. And what it will do is it will accelerate you. It's a high leverage season that will position you for the seasons to come and time as it moves forward. Appreciate you, my friend, and we will catch you next time.